1: There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up, and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football.
0: You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to our latest Raiders Live Room. Here to talk about the Derek Carr extension, the one we've been wondering if it was coming, when it was coming, and now it has come. The three-year deal worth one hundred and twenty-one and a half million. Um, the uh, the initial figures, the uh, the more granular details are starting to come out, and, and from a practical purpose, it looks like somewhere a little bit north of sixty million guaranteed at signing. Uh, the twenty-five million salary for the twenty twenty-two season, and then uh, three days after the Super Bowl. Uh another forty and a half million would become guaranteed. So in practicality, it might be closer to uh really a two-year deal that they would have ability to escape after that. And you know, it might save them a little bit of cap space uh, as we find out more of the details. Doesn't look like it's gonna save them a ton of cap space in 2022, but um I know carr said it would save them some and uh we'll see how much exactly. But um guys, what, what do we all think about uh this, this car extension? I mean it, we, we all expected that this was probably the route they would go um and, and it is a short-term extension he does get the no trade clause to give himself some control over what could happen if, if things go in a different direction but um you know the the raiders do know he knows that he's going to be around for at least the next few years the
3: annual salary um and the the years made sense to me but i, I think the guarantees being as low as they are and kind of structured how they are surprised me a little bit uh, particularly coming off of um you know, I think the Deshaun Watson deal is going to end up being an outlier, but even when you look at, you know, the deals for Matthew Stafford and, and Kirk Cousins and how much guaranteed money they got, uh, you know, Derek Carr comes in significantly below them. Um, you know, it helps that he has the no trade clause. So, uh, you know, technically, like, like we said, you know, he, that, that 2023 season is guaranteed as well if he, if he wants it to be, if he just flat out, you know, if they want to move on after this season he doesn't want to, it basically has two years guaranteed. But even with that, I, I was a little surprised, um, both with the guarantees and how low the signing bonus was.
1: Yeah, I think it's a very uh, team-friendly deal. I think, um, I don't know if they had him in a, in a tough spot, but obviously Derek's happy. He gets a little security, but I'm sure it's not the uh, the length of a deal he'd like or the amount of money guaranteed he'd like. But He's changed, he gets a no-trade clause, he kind of controls his destiny a little bit the next couple of years, but um, clearly he wanted to play with Devontae Adams, they've been sitting all along, now they have a chance to do that, so he has a, I, I wrote today a three-year window in my mind to kind of win a, win a ring for the Raiders, and then uh, we'll see how this goes, but yeah, I think it's a very team-friendly deal, I think um, uh, they can move on now and kind of focus on, on, on the season.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I, he told his uh he told his agent he wants to be a raider or play golf and you know, I think when he told his agent that, it's like, "Oh crap, if the Raiders find out, we probably don't have much leverage here." Uh but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a very team-friendly deal like you guys said. It I think average per year it'll be what, somewhere around that 5 to 6 range and then with extensions coming up for um, young quarterbacks like Murray, Jackson, Burrow, Herbert, and possibly Tua if he plays well with all the weapons he has, uh, this contract might be squeezed out of the top 10 by by next year. So, um, you know, really team-friendly deal. And, you know, I, I think he has played better than his statistics have shown in the last couple seasons. But obviously with this year and and the weapons he has, uh, he, I think he should be able to live up to his contract.
2: You know, I think what's notable when you look at his contract compared to, you know, a lot of the other deals other teams signed is, you know, a seven and a half million dollar signing bonus. Um, and, and that's why, um, it does not appear that this contract will significantly change his 2022 cap figure. I think it was, you know, was you know, in the 19 million range. And I think it's going to be probably somewhat similar, um, because, you know, the seven and a half million and they have. You know, it could be spread out over the four years, or if they tack on a void year, um, they could spread that out over five years, and it could, you know, count as only one and a half million each year. Um, but if you go on the reported figures of a twenty-five million dollar, um, is what he's going to take home in year one, uh, assuming that that means that's seven and a half million dollar signing bonus, and then probably somewhere around a seventeen and uh, so a seven and a half million dollar signing bonus, and then probably about a seventeen and a half million dollar base salary. Um, you know, you figure if they have that void year to spread it out over the full five, that means it's a 19 million dollar cap hit. So um, saving a little bit. But, uh, you know, you see a lot of teams um, and, and this could be just they, they haven't quite um, got the full benefits of, of the money that they expect to have being an in influx now that they're in Vegas. Um, but a lot of teams you know, would, would rather do that as, OK, let's give a big 40 million dollar bonus that we can really spread out and really lower this year one cap. Um, but for the Raiders, I guess with with that 20 million that they have coming um, in a couple of months, maybe that that's one reason they also felt they didn't need to do that that much. they feel they have enough cap space um, and they would rather uh, you know not significantly lower this year just to kick money down the road.
3: Yeah, I think another factor maybe in uh, you know freeing up space through cars extension not being as big of a deal is they are still going to get that. You know, about 20 million dollars in June uh, coming off the books once once Corey Littleton and Carl Nassib's contracts come off. So, um, you know, if they do feel like they need some more space later on in his offseason, they already have a pretty significant amount of it coming off here in a couple months. So, um, you know, it, it may not have been as much of a priority to, to get that that the first year number down for him.
2: You I know when Derek talked and we'll get to questions here in just a minute. You guys can, uh, can request to speak hitting that button there and we'll, uh, we'll hit to you guys in a couple minutes. Um, but I know, uh, you know, one thing that we were texting kind of during the, uh, the car press conference that was, was notable as Derek kept talking about the guys that he hopes, that, you know, hopes his deal allows them to bring in more guys and extend more guys. Obviously he's talking about Hunter Renfro, but the name he brought up, um, he did bring up Darren Waller once toward toward the end, but the name that he kept bringing up uh, a couple of times was Foster Moreau. Um, he, he seems to be really high on Foster Moreau and is hoping his deal leads to a, a Moreau extension. Um, you know, again, I, he, he did mention uh, Waller when he kind of started talking again and named guys that he hopes this leads to them returning. But um, it, it did strike me a little bit surprising when uh, when we heard him at first say, "Yeah, you know, Hunter Renfro, Foster, you know, these guys we want to want to hopefully be able to extend."
1: Yeah, I think, well, because he and Foster are close friends, I think obviously Moreau will be a lot more affordable than Darren Waller. So I think you can probably get maybe Renfro and get Moreau done. I imagine now all these big contracts, you got Charlie Jones, Adams, uh, Carr. I kind of feel that like Waller's kind of the outman man out. I think he'll probably won't be here past this year. But you never know. But I would think maybe that's just Derek kind of projecting what he thinks maybe realistic as far as who they can bring back now.
3: Yeah, we talked about this being a team-friendly deal. Maybe he's doing the a- – the team, a little negotiation favor right there with, with all the, the Foster Moreau lines. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, even kind of looking ahead, I mean, Darren Waller has two years left on his deal, so it's not as, uh, you know, as much of an immediate priority as it was with guys like Max Crosby and, and, you know, maybe Hunter Renfro, guys that are going into the final year, that that rookie deal that, you know, would have been set up to be free agents next off season since they weren't first-round picks, so. Um, I, th- I think with Waller, like they obviously you know, have the leverage to slow play it a little bit, and you know if they do want to extend them, you know waiting until next year.
2: All right, let's go ahead and uh, take some questions. We're gonna go to Jeff S. He's mad at Ted for starting early. <laughs> Jeff S., you're on the stage. Awesome. Hey, well, uh, I'll say a couple things real quick. I-, I hope that the Raider fans that have been skeptical of Carr hear hear the fact that he's taking a team friendly deal, which is good for uh good for good for the team, good for the Raiders long term, which I appreciate and. And just the fact that we're going to be competitive. We don't have to worry about who our quarterback's going to be. But um, just sort of a big-picture question I'm curious to get your take on. Um, When I hear people talk about the Raiders' expectations for this upcoming season, I've heard some folks mention that they won a lot of close games and how sustainable is that. But do you think the Raiders are getting enough credit sort of nationally for how they were able to to win the games they did, given all of the -the off-the-field stuff that they had to deal with? I feel like it's often talked about like the Raiders got lucky last year and yet I think, you know, with extenuating circumstances off the field, I wonder if um, there's actually room for room for it could have been better had things been smoother off the field.
3: Yeah, I feel like the broadcast teams for Raiders games leaned into it pretty significantly, especially in that Chargers game. It was a really strong narrative, all the adversity and things they overcome and being in this position to maybe make the playoffs. So I feel like it was talked about a good amount. I think maybe some of the reason people may say that it might be fluky is just the nature of the wins. You know, they had six walk-off wins, which typically, you know, you have worse luck with that, and it doesn't carry over from year to year. So, like, even going into this offseason, there were some questions about, you know, are the Raiders really a playoff-caliber roster? You know, do you have something to build upon? And, you know, obviously from the, the moves that they made this offseason, they believe so internally um, – you know, just in terms of how they're viewed nationally, I think they're more so hurt by like not what they're doing in particular, but just the division overall getting so much stronger with the Broncos and uh, the Chargers making some moves, and so I don't think it's, it's as much of a knock against the Raiders as just what's going on in the, in the AFC West and the AFC as a whole.
2: All right, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for everything you do. All right, thanks a lot, Jeff. All right, we are gonna bring on Ramon R. Ramon, how you doing? Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Good. So my question is now given all the moves we've made, um, and Vic, I I read your article about, you know, Super Bowl window, the next three years. Um, but realistically speaking, I guess what would you guys consider a success a success for the regime over the next three years? Like if to make the playoffs two to three years and get to an AFC championship, would you guys consider that a success or or what's the
1: the benchmark, I guess? No, we're saying Super Bowl, right? The whole we play to win the whole thing, right? They're, they're making these moves. They got Chandler Jones. They got the best receiver in the game. Derek Carr came back. I think if you're not looking to win the, the ring in the next three years, then something went uh, went really wrong in, in, this, in this quick planet through together. So I think anything less than the ring is, uh, I'm like I say failure is a little harsh, but that's got to be the goal. That's got to be what they're playing for. That's got to be what they set this up for right now. The way they have made these moves this off season. So I, I think they're all in, and I think it's uh, it's kind of cool.
4: Yeah, I mean, to me, I think you know, just from where this franchise has been the last twenty years, I think if they make the make the playoffs in the, in the next three years and make some noise in the playoffs, to me, that's the win. You know, I, maybe my stands are too Gee, low. make, just, make some I,
1: noise. Come
4: <laughs> on, man, just make some noise and get into the championship game. It's so hard. It's so hard. You know, to to win a Super Bowl, you need so many things to swing your way. But I, I think if you know. You make the playoffs and you're able to win a game or two, then you know, that that's evidence that this uh this new regime is is doing things the right way.
3: Like what Derek Hardy was talking today, you know, making the playoffs, they they viewed that as a success for last year, but you know, now it becomes winning a playoff game. Like let's say this year like, if they win a playoff game and then they lose, like then that's gonna be the model going into the next year. So I don't think they'll ever be really completely satisfied until they, they win that championship. I mean, the amount of money that they've I guess they, the signing bonuses, they haven't really spent that much technically this first year, but like the amount of money they committed to, you know, with, with Adams and Jones and Derek Carr, you know, in the sense, you know, that, those aren't moves that you make just to kind of be competitive and float around. Like, you know, Mark Davis is obviously thinking this is a, a Super Bowl caliber roster. You know, whether that happens, we'll see, but that's, that's definitely the aim.
2: Yeah, thanks. I just think in this division, given the beast of the AFC, I feel like they at least make a championship game, make a run like Ted said. Three years from now, I don't foresee that causing, you know, them to move off of their car or or blowing up the coaching regime or anything like that.
1: Boo. I'm booing. Boo. (laughs) No, I think
2: think if 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 you go into each of these seasons and you, you, you feel like you've given yourself a chance. I mean, if you're you, you may, if you make the playoffs every year, if you, you know, if you go on some runs and yeah maybe a couple of plays away, I mean, yeah, I don't think you look at this like, oh, OK, yeah, we need to blow this up. I mean, obviously, the goal for every team every year is to win a Super Bowl. That has not been a realistic goal for the Raiders uh, for a long time. And so I think just the fact that you can call that a realistic goal, we'll see if it can be called a realistic goal, I mean. We don't know we know the division stuff we know the conference is tough we know the you know the league is, is, especially the afc is loaded with all these young superstar quarterbacks um so it's i mean the idea that you know the super bowl is the goal i mean that's that's both obvious but it's also like um it's gonna be really hard um but i mean i think if they're in the conversation every year you know if they're a team that's in the playoffs every year um then you, you would feel pretty good about where they're going. And, um, I mean, they're taking a the shot. They're taking their best shot at it, I, I, is what I would say.
3: Yeah, I don't think, you know, if they don't win the Super Bowl the next three years, I'm not saying the coaching staff is going to get, you know, fired or anything crazy like that. I do think Derek Carr could be gone in the mix of that. But, uh, you know, but if they're competing in the playoffs or making the playoffs pretty much every year throughout this span, like, I mean, the Raiders have had so much coaching turnover over the last decade or so that, you're not going to move on from a successful coach, barring some kind of, you know, off the field issue or something of that nature. So, uh, I don't think they'll be that impatient in essence.
2: Luckily, yeah. nothing like that ever happens around the race. Yeah,
3: right, right.
2: <laughs> I think right, Ramon appreciate it. it. Uh, we need to get it on record. If they do win a Super Bowl, then Vic has to sing another song for us. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely does. That's a given. Huh? That's a given. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Ramon. All right, let's turn it over to Bradley N.
5: With Carr being extended, it's uh, obviously the offense is expected to be really freaking good next year. But with Gus, Gus Bradley leaving, I'm uh, pretty terrified that the Raiders defense is going to take a step back. Obviously, looking at their record, they've been legendarily bad. So there's a uh, obviously going to be yet another defensive coordinator. And I don't really know enough about a lot about Patrick Graham so I'm just wondering what your guys's take is on him and how could he could kind of match the level of success or exceed the level of success that Gus Bradley brought to the defense last year.
6: Yeah. I think with Patrick
3: Graham, if you just look at his, like if you look at just the numbers for the defenses that he's coordinated, you know, with the dolphins and the giants, like I, I can see why you might be concerned just because they aren't that impressive. But I think he's a coach that his reputation and kind of how he goes about his job, you know, it, it stands out much higher than, than maybe what the results are. Um, I think he's played, you know, he's he's coached some teams that aren't that talented defensively. And so the hope is that, you know, with his schemes, he's more diverse than Gus Bradley's. It, you know, he has multiple fronts, multiple coverages that he uses and alignments and things of that nature. And so, uh, you know, I wouldn't say the Raiders' defensive talent is, like, great or anything like that, but I think it's good enough to where, you know, if Patrick Graham is the coach that he has a reputation of being, it should be at least uh, solid this season, barring some injuries.
4: Yeah, if you, if you want to look at some, you know, positive examples, just watch Graham's um... – defense against uh, the Chiefs last year and look at what the Raiders did against uh, the Chiefs last year. Um, I I think with Graham, you know, when you study his defense, he does a lot of modern things, um, you know, really cutting edge stuff that's really trendy in the league. Uh, I think he's a really smart coach and it's kind of the opposite of what Bradley does. Bradley is a cover three guy and that's kind of the uh, defense that's out of vogue um, in in the the league now. And I, I think with Bradley, the ceiling for a defense is limited, uh, but I think it's a high floor because when you have guys that know exactly what you're doing, because your scheme is very simple. Uh, there's going to be no coverage bus, which um, resulted in good things for the Raiders last year because their defense has been so disorganized. But I think with Graham, when you have a, when you have a guy that um, you know is, is so uh, versatile and and willing to do some different things, I think you're you know you have a, a higher ceiling when it comes to your your defense and. Uh, You know, you just talk to anybody around the league that knows defensive schemes. They're going to talk pretty highly about Patrick Graham.
1: I'll just add that I think it's easier to play defense when you're ahead, obviously. So we'll have a good pass rush still. they got Chandler Jones, Max Crosby. So if the offense is as good as it should be, we'll be playing with a lead in the fourth quarter, which definitely makes it easier to play defense.
2: We're going to move on to Kyle P. Kyle, you are on the stage.
6: Hey, I'm wondering uh with a few more extensions possibly on the horizon with uh Hunter, maybe uh Foster, maybe a uh, pay bump for Waller. Is that going to eat into that uh 20 million post June 1 significantly or do you think we'll still have money to make a move for a proven veteran? I still think uh another detail safety could help.
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of murky right now cuz the car details are kind of like filtering through, but the way it's looking is he basically has the same cap hit, so there's that twenty million about that they're getting in June is still going to be twenty million, and they have about five million or so right now. And where they're picking in the draft, the space that they have now should cover them for their draft picks. So uh, that, that space that they're getting is pretty much going to be you know free for their usage, whether that's giving out extensions to other guys on the roster, or um, you know going out and adding other outside free agents. I think. You know, particularly since we're seeing a structure of not just Carr's deal, but Adams and Chandler Jones and uh, Max Crosby, that these signing bonuses are pretty low. So I think until they get that extra space, I, I couldn't see them making like another huge outside splash in terms of another free agent. But once we get into June, like I, I've said before, there's always a, a couple free agents still out there that you would expect to be at that time of year. So something could definitely be on the table at that point.
1: Well, I keep seeing Damn. on Twitter there's a, there's a big move coming. I keep seeing it on Twitter there's a, there's a big one coming soon. So I have to wait for that one to happen. <laughs> that joke fell flat. joke But yeah, no, I think um. Like, <laughs> boom. Boom. <laughs> no, yeah, boom. Wasn't this the big move? This was the big move. The car extension. My bad. But yeah, I agree with Tasha. I think that they um have some room for some more moves in June, but probably not right away.
6: Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys doing this.
1: All right. Thanks,
2: Kyle. All right, we've got Mash A. Mash, Ooh. you are
7: on the stage. Awesome. Well, I'm on vacation. I just want to make sure I'm good. I have a 19-part question, but it's really in three parts. One, stop picking on Hondo. Come on now. Two, I'm going to be in Vegas for the draft. Would love to buy you all a drink. Sean, I know I have to buy you like a bourbon, so Old Forester 1920, fantastic. Sounds great. And then my my, my actual question is, I'm a new, I really zone in on the Raiders photos. And if you look at Leatherwood, our favorite subject, it doesn't say tackle or guard, it says both, which leads me to believe he's the swing tackle guard, whereas uh, Jermaine and then uh, Parker are clearly tackle and guard. Do you think he's going to be the swing tackle guard guy, like the combo person, or do you really think he's going to have a chance to start?
2: I think he'll be the. If backup. you re- if you read Vic's story, Vic Vic lined out uh, the starting offensive line that he said does not give him a lot of confidence, and he did not even put Alex Leatherwood's name in in that uh, starting offensive line that he that says doesn't give you a lot of confidence. So.
1: And that's as of today. He, the kid have a nice camp. <laughs> Who knows? i if they play a game tomorrow, I don't think he'd be starting on the line. Maybe he's a swing tackle. Maybe he can play a backup guard. But to me, it's pretty clear based on the moves they made this offseason season the new regime doesn't really view him as a starter right now. And hopefully he gets better. Hopefully he can – he's a very young guy. He can definitely improve on the skill set. But I think right now the projection is he's a backup at this point.
3: I think they might be, like, fucking with us a little bit on that just to, like, not give it away. You know, Is he starting to guard? Is he starting to tackle? I, I don't know. thats I know it, it pretty much happened with Damon Arnett last year. Like, them having the first, it's a different regime, obviously, but having a first-round pick go to a backup pretty quickly. But – I just feel like the guys that they have right now, like, I don't I don't like Brandon Parker or Jermaine Luminor, like, is is that, I feel like I would rather see if this 22-year-old guy is any good instead of just rolling those guys out there. But again, you know, they, in June they get that extra space so they could go out there and sign a veteran right tackle or guard that ends up being a much more significant upgrade over over Leatherwood. But so I know Leatherwood wasn't, you know, he had his struggles last year, but I'm not sure those guys are that much of like an upgrade over him to where I wouldn't kind of take a flyer on that potential.
4: Yeah, I think they legitimately don't know if he's going to be a guard or tackle because they they hope he could play tackle because, you know, he was drafted at a right tackle as a more premium position. You drafted him in the first round, but he was so bad there last year that you can't just hang your hat on hope. So they have, you know, if they need to, they don't have to start him. Um, but I, I think he'll get a shot to be a starter, obviously, but um, they just don't, you know, you're hoping that he takes this huge, massive leap because he was so bad last year um, that you know they won't know what kind of leap he's taking as a player through the hard work he's done in offseason until um, they actually see him in camp. His workout video looks good, at least. That's a positive. Yeah, he's working with Duke, which is you know one of the best O-line trainers you know out out there. So that's a, yeah. that's positive for sure.
7: Awesome. Well, drinks on me
4: at the draft, guys, all day.
1: Who was my guy back in the old days? Was, uh, it was Bruce Campbell, right? The guy who was the, uh, the gym maniac who lifted, like, huge tractors and pushed things around. Workouts don't mean anything as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, I, again, he's a young guy. He definitely can get better. But um, the workout videos don't mean much right now.
3: A big negative today, man. Jeez. Yeah. yeah I
1: mean, very positive. He, it. he you know, missed said, the, he missed the know, last. I said, the uh, deal. I said, we're going to freaking Super Bowl in the next three years. I'm a very positive. Jimmy, every move, every move ass they ass make ass.
2: nowadays, you just call, you just start talking Super Bowl. Bunty Adams, they're going, to, they're going to the Super Bowl. Derek <laughs> Carr, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Vic is all about the Super Bowl nowadays. Brandon Parker, uh, Brandon Parker, you, you, Brandon he, Parker he, he, Super Bowl. He what?
4: Super Bowl.
2: <laughs> Vic needed to be on our AFC West roundtable. We did our AFC West live room while Vic was on vacation, and we got basted by a guy who was not. Impressed with our energy and our excitement, he he came on and just ripped everybody for not having enough excitement about everything going on. But we got the Super Bowl hype man on here today, Vic. Uh, Vic, Vic loves the Super Bowl. He he's ready to party.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
2: All right, we're gonna bring on Kyle P. Kyle P., you're on the stage. What's going on? Hey, how's it going, fellas?
1: Going good, man. What's going good, good. Hey, I,
6: uh, I got a two parter about uh, Patrick Graham's defense uh, for any of you guys to jump in, but maybe Ted might know. I know he's always uh, grinding that tape. Uh, first off, I remember uh, Paul Gunther had a, a real bad rap for his compli- his defense being too complicated, uh, and I know they talk much about how versatile patrick graham's defense is do you see that being an issue again
4: yeah i think that's the potential scary part about going away from bradley's defense which was you know simple and the the players were able to play fast in that system because you know there wasn't a ton of calls to to make but you know like i said before the the ceiling for that type of defense isn't as high so, you know, you can run a complicated system. You know, Bill Belichick runs a complicated system. Nick Saban runs a complicated system. But it's the way you teach it. So if he's a good teacher and he's organized and his staff is able to teach it to these players, then, you know, you should be fine. But that's the thing we don't know about him, you know, without being in his meetings or not. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be scared of a complicated system because, you know, some of the best defenses in the NFL are, are complicated. It just depends on... Uh, what kind of teacher you have and whether he's able to evaluate, um, the guys that he ha- he has in those rooms and put them in the best position to win.
6: Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm afraid of the change, man, to be honest. I was, uh, upset with how basic Bradley was, but it, it worked. It, it brought us to a, a middle of the pack defense where we hadn't seen in a while. But, um, the, the back end of that question, I know they say, uh, you're 75, 80% in nickel, but you will play, you know, plenty of three, four. And then if we have, uh chandler jones and max crosby both playing those uh kind of stand-up positions does that mean like you're basically rushing five all the time is that an issue is one of them gonna have to drop more often than we would like to see jones has shown that he can do that so i think that it's
1: not the ideal thing for him to do but i think he has that that skill set go ahead Ted, sorry
6: yeah no it
4: doesn't mean you're gonna rush five all the time so they'll have different calls where uh you're basically gonna rush four you know they'll, have a, they'll say like you know strong side backers rushing here but um, they're they're not going to drop Jones and Crosby, you know, more than maybe one or two times per game, um, and they're going to be in nickel a lot of times. So they're going to be in, in in even fronts most of the time, anyways. And the times that they will be in that five man front is, uh, are going to be on rundowns where you're most likely going to see runs. So I, you know, I don't think you have to worry about that, anyways. And you know, like, um, my friend coach Vass says, you know, if you drop a guy like Max Crosby back more than twice a game, then you're an asshole. So let's just hope that uh, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Gotcha.
2: All right. Thanks. I appreciate it, fellas. I think we've cleared the, uh, the queue here. Any, any final points you guys want to make? I mean, uh, that we didn't really talk that much about the no trade clause, but I mean, I think for Carr getting that included, like we said, you know, the deal is, yeah. you know, it's not the greatest deal for him. It, it is a more team friendly deal. That would seem to be kind of the, you know, when, when we heard, josh mcdaniels talk about the sweet spot a couple of weeks ago for for the car camp that was probably uh part of the them for them finding the sweet spot is being able to get that no trade clause
1: yeah, i thought it was a nice move by but i think it definitely um kind of helps out with the, the lack of guaranteed money or lack of but not the, the huge numbers that other quarterbacks are getting so i think a nice touch by him to kind of appease the car camp a little bit and i think um i think everyone's happy today right now that's the most important thing so you kind of build off this and uh, and see
3: what you got. Yeah, I guess the way that the car is probably viewing it is like he's he's too good for them to just cut him, right? So I mean, like if if they're gonna move on from me, they're gonna have to trade me. And so like basically this money is unless he just falls off a cliff or just easy injuries, like it's, it's, it might as well be guaranteed, I guess, in his mind, because you know, if he wants to be there, like it's ultimately in his hands. Obviously at some point it you know, they could just cut him if, if it got to that point. But uh, I think he's and it's kind of indicative of this deal is you know, Carr may not be like an elite quarterback, but he's good enough to where you can't just bank on finding another quarterback as good as he is. And so he's kind of in that Kirk Cousins tier, and you know their annual salaries are matched up. And Kirk Cousins also got a, a no trade clause in his deal, and so it kind of surprises some people that you know quarterbacks of their caliber get that. But I think it makes sense when you factor in the concessions that he's making elsewhere.
2: We'll bring on Donald S. Donald here on the stage. All right. Hey, I had a question about the
3: offensive line. I know we always get questions about that, but it was like, we're talking Super Bowls, but we saw how bad the line was last year. And it's like, okay, what could we do if we can't run the ball? And, you know, we have Khalil Mack sadly coming at us and uh, Joey Bosa. So what do you guys think we'll do in the draft and, or what we'll do with that $20 million coming in June? Do you think we'll get more than one offensive lineman? They hold on to all five of those picks that they have in the draft. It'd be hard to see them like not taking a swing on you know one of those later mid mid, mid to late rounds offensive linemen with some upside. But I don't think outside of maybe somebody like Canard uh, or um, Falele, you know, dropping down to 86. I don't think they would get guys that are probably going to be starters year one. So I think if they're going to go out and get some starting help on um, an offensive line, you could see a situation maybe they draft a guy with some upside and then. When that that money comes off the books in June, they could go get one of those veteran guys. I don't know if, you know, Darrell Williams or Riley Reeve or, you know, some of those veteran offensive linemen will still be out there at that point. But yeah, that's definitely the biggest concern left on the roster. Not to say they're perfect elsewhere, but, you know, you can have all these weapons and a really good quarterback. But if their blocking is as bad and inconsistent as it was last year, I think they're going to run into some hiccups. I think the offense will still be pretty good, but I don't think it would be great, which is what you're banking for when they made the investment that they have so far.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I think with their offensive line, um, you're banking that the interior is going to be much better with Denzel Good coming back, uh, the center making an improvement from being his first year as a a starter. And he he, he did improve throughout last season. So you're hoping he makes a jump. And then for the right guard spot, either Leatherwood makes a a, a big jump there or you you, you replace him with a guy like Luminor. So hopefully you have the left tackle to interior. Um, at least, you know, solid. And then, you know, with the right tackle spot, you have some competition there. Um, you know, if Brandon Parker is a starter, you know, you're hoping that with better coaching, he gets better. But if that's your only big weak spot, then you can midgetate, you know, mid- mid- midgetate, mid- I can't even pronounce that word right now. Mitigate, uh, mitigate, mitigate, that. Yeah. mitigate, with some, <laughs> with some chip help and, uh, you know, with some chip help, you know, from the running back or tight ends or, or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, it, it's just you're hoping for maybe one leaky spot instead of three leaky spots like, it, you know, what what happened
2: last season. Right, we're going to head over to Trevor M. And we're going to ask him, as the as the first thing he does when he comes on the stage, you've got to pronounce mitigate for us. Can you pronounce mitigate?
8: <laughs> I think mitigate is, is a pretty easy word to say. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> My apologies. I you wouldn't expect it uh, any different from the Raider Nation to come at you. Come on now. So uh, the previous guy took uh, a couple questions, but I, I along the same lines when Cable came in and we took Colton Miller and everybody was freaking out and they were like, OK, now Cable is amazing because Colton Miller is turned the corner and he's doing a very good job, probably top five left tackle in the league and Cable's great. And then this year Cable sucks again and our offensive line is terrible um if if we're not going to use whatever of that 20 million i don't know when cars contract will post and all that stuff but um are we is that something that we're we're not looking at for offensive line and if that's the case you know i'm the brandon parker money scares me to death because even my son who's 12 was like dad he's terrible like he's awful um <laughs> uh, now, if, if the money that we're going to to spend that we free up in June doesn't go to offensive line, let's hope it does, even though, like I said, that Parker contract scares me, what are we going to do with that money?
3: Uh, extension, uh, extension. Apparently, so they, they don't, don't have, know, have, you know, like you know, with these, these sign of bonuses that we're seeing, um, I feel like if they, they had, had it, they would have tried to push Derek Carr's cap number down some more this year. So. Um, you know, for if they do want to extend somebody like Connor Renfro, we've seen the receiver market balloon, you know, guys like Christian Kirk getting kind of money he got, you know, Renfro coming off, you know, a Pro Bowl season. I think he's going to be more expensive than maybe they anticipated. And so that, you know, maybe not having the cash, but when you have that much cash space, you can, you know, traditional salary and, and get him to the annual salary that he's trying to get to. And so, if they don't end up, you know, signing a significant free agent um, when that money comes off the books, they could use, use some of that money to extend some guys and kind of, you know, offset them not having maybe the cash to give guys those those big signing bonuses.
4: Yeah, uh, that $20 million is probably not going to help the offensive line just because all the um, good free agents or potential starters from the free agency pool have been pretty much signed. I mean, you could sign, you know, there's still Marcus Cannon who – Played right tackle for McDaniel's before, but he's coming off, you know, a, a pretty significant injury. So they have to see um, how uh, he is. But you know, if if you could use that twenty million dollars to shore up the secondary, then maybe you could take multiple shots at offensive linemen in the draft. Uh, but it's just hard to count on finding a starter when you know your highest pick is your your third round draft pick. You know, maybe they uh, maybe they trade back in the first round using future picks um later but um you know that that's a tough spot where the raiders are at now they they still have some major holes in um the secondary and, and with the offensive lines so and they don't have much capital to uh kind of fill fill those whole holes with uh you know and like i said you know it's just hard to feel
2: to count bank on finding a starter in in the third round Come on, Honey Badger is just sitting around waiting. He's gonna wait until June second and wait for the Raiders to get all that cap space. That's just why he hasn't signed yet. He's gonna—they're gonna—they're gonna sign Honey Badger on June second, and uh, they're gonna lock up that secondary.
3: Yeah. Thanks for for flooding my mentions with all the, the Honey Badger questions, now.
2: There you go. Cool. All right, Derek J. What's going on, Derek? Is Gilmore still uh, definitely out of the question? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
6: <laughs> Thank
2: you. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> all right, Stephen L. Stephen L., you are on the stage. Kind of a random question here for you, but I've been a few away games. I've, I have a goal to see all the, uh, the NFL stadiums. Curious what your guys' take is with getting to go to all the games, and whatnot. What would you say are your top three stadiums you got to go see, taking into account you know the historic places, the fan bases, the atmosphere, all that cities. Um, what would you say are the,
3: the must go to's? I would say Allegiant Stadium and SoFi. Um, they have no history so far, but they're probably the two best stadiums in the league. Outside of that, my third one, I would say the, oh, that's a tough one. I think maybe the, the Steelers environment was pretty cool. It was a pretty,
2: yeah, I was going to say Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh's yeah. nice. It's, I mean, right there on the river. Um, it's fun to stay like in downtown and like walk to the game in the morning. Um, I like, I like Pittsburgh a lot. I've, I've never been to Lambo.
4: How, how's Lambo, Jimmy?
2: I haven't been to Lambo yet either. Um, Yeah, I mean, I only had like two full seasons of, of doing all the travel and they didn't go to, they went to Lambo like in the preseason. So I haven't been to Lambo. I've been to about half of the stadiums, Um, you know, and I don't really travel much anymore. So, um yeah, I've only, I've only been to about half. Um I mean, for for the city perspective not necessarily necessarily the stadium uh, i mean new orleans when you know when the raiders play there i mean you know that game in 2016 was, was obviously a crazy game but i mean that's you know and from the perspective of being able to like go to bourbon on saturday night go to the game on sunday go back to bourbon on sunday night um, it's hard to be going to a game in new orleans but um no matter what the weather is if you go to new orleans bring a jacket to the stadium because they pump the ac into there so freaking strong that it can be like 98 outside and you get in there and like i i laughed one of my colleagues last time at that 2016 game shows up with like a sweater and a and a scarf and like what the hell are you doing and by the end of the game i'm just like sitting there just like just like shivering because I'm so cold because the AC pumps so hard. So uh Pittsburgh, New Orleans is fun, but bring a jacket no matter what the weather is. That's their way of keeping Drew Breeze from aging. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephen, we appreciate it, man. Um we're gonna head over to Kyle P. We're gonna get to Kyle P and David D. Those are gonna be our last two before we uh sign off here. Kyle, how you doing?
6: Good, good. Hey, quick question. I think our corner group is kind of deep, uh, but I'm getting conflicting reports about what corner does what well. I know Trevon Mullen is more of a man corner, and I know um, Patrick Graham will mold his scheme to his players. So what kind of coverages do you think will run most based off of what these corners do well?
4: I mean, to me, I think Trayvon Mullen's, uh, you know, strength is his ability to play multiple coverages. He can play a little man. He can play zone coverages. I think, I just think he's a really smart, um, corner that's able to do multiple things. Uh, with Rockison, I, I thought he was better in zone when I was uh, watching him in college. I haven't watched him last year, but, uh, PFF gave him a pretty high grade uh, in man coverage last season, but PFF grades aren't everything. So I have to go back and rewatch it. But, uh, you know, I just think that, you know, Graham's going to be multiple. He's going to play a lot of quarters. Um, he's going to play some too high. So you'll see, um, you know, some cover two and cover four, cover six, um, you know, where they're going to ask their, their corners to play a little bit of man and, and play some zone a zone that time. So, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be strictly boxed into just playing man or, or zone. Um, like you know, they were last year playing a, a ton of zone.
6: Gotcha. Speaking of road games, the wife and I go to one every year. This year we're going to New Orleans, so I buy you guys a drink if you guys are down. Bring your
2: jacket. <laughs> 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 they, they they that AC is no joke. I knew somebody who uh who left that game in 2016 in like the third quarter because they were just too cold. So um yeah, bring a jacket. <laughs> For All right. Thanks, Ellis. Yeah. All right, David D, you're gonna close it out. All right. Well, David D, and then Joshua B have begged uh, to come on and, and close it out with some.
6: I was just people. gonna okay. say, D, Joshua okay. B is on. I'm gonna let him in the day, bro. He can have my spot. I'm gonna let okay. him have it. just so you know, well, I'm not greedy for wanting honey badger still. <laughs> <laughs> he's still out there come on he's still out there now nah, agreed. you got to give it to joshua b though we got to let him leave, leave us off with some positivity
3: All right. joshua b you're
5: here man <laughs> this is just a reminder that I oh it's this guy yes he was Again, like I said this in the last chat, I don't understand why anybody disagrees with it. Everybody's so sweating about the offensive line. Here's some news about our offensive line. It's going to be in their second year together. Do you want to know what every other NFL podcast says? Offensive lines with continuity are the ones that are successful. And there's no reason why we're not going to bring everybody back on the offensive line and why they wouldn't be better. And before everybody's like, oh, wow, you know, they really suck. So what are we going to do? Here's a flash. They actually weren't that bad. How? Why am I basing that on? I get it that they had bad PFF rankings. We also made it to the playoffs, right? We made it to the playoffs in the same division as the Chiefs. You know who didn't make the playoffs. The Broncos. That's who didn't make the playoffs. So they're not going to finish last, okay? So when I ask everybody who's going to finish last in the division, it's not going to be the Raiders. I'll tell you who else is not going to. Who else is not going to probably. Uh, make the playoffs. The Chargers, and what do I base
3: that on? The fact that they didn't make the playoffs last year. So what's change? Alright, right. The The positivity, we gotta bring the positivity to a close. The Chargers got Uh, Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. That's a little different. (laughs) Just like a little bit. Is it different than
5: Chandler Jones? Is Chandler Jones so much worse than Khalil Mack? Or is it just that Khalil Mack was
3: injured last year and you can't remember? No, I would say also happened? on the offensive line. I mean, <laughs> Brandon Parker's would been you, in the league for a while yep. now. Like, is Brandon Parker suddenly going to be a good starter?
5: Would you rather have Devontae Adams or Jason Jackson? I think the answer is extremely clear. I'll put them one-on-one with one another. We'll see what happens. And we'll see it twice. So, yeah, the only thing that to changed today is that we have our quarterback for another three years. And not only that, we have at a reasonable cost this year, and we'll have him next to, like, I don't know, what is, what's he going to be paid? Like, the 10th best quarterback in the NFL in the year after that? And we've secured him for another third year? Great signing. Great move. Meanwhile, the Chiefs are dealing with the loss of Tyreek Hill and
3: Tyron Matthew. That's what they have to look forward to. All so are you guys first? Not- are the Raiders first? Is that what you're saying? <laughs>
5: I have the leaders first. I think they're better than the Chargers. Yes, I do. But I base that mostly on the fact that I can't remember what Khalil Mack did last year, and I do remember what Max Crosby did. That I remember. But maybe the reason I can't remember what Khalil Mack did is because he was as injured as Joey Bosa was. But I do remember what Max Crosby did. I remember that because he was there the whole time. So, so Chandler 15 cents. I remember that. That's what I remember. I don't remember deeply what Joey Bosa and Khalil Max. I remember a lot of people saying that they were super talented. I also remember them being injured for a lot of games last year. That's what I remember. So yeah, we are going to finish first. The waiters are going to finish first.
3: Alright. First in the division, Super Bowl run. Everything's coming together.
4: Hey, this, uh, all I ask you put your money where your mouth is. Bet, Bet the
5: house on it. <laughs> when I'll put a hundred dollars down, yeah, of course I will. I would put my money down. My only question for the group is is if we make the playoffs that, this upcoming year, right? And say our say our defensive line just dominates the game. And our linebackers um, and our corners don't have to cover as long as they have to as, as long as they have to. Which team outside of the AFC West and outside of Buffalo? Well, fuck, I'm about to say Baltimore, right? But which team in the AFC South would you like to face in the first round of the playoffs, like if it was your choice?
2: Hmm. Uh,
5: yeah, any team in the AFC and, South?
2: Yeah, I mean, any so any team in the AFC South. I mean, yeah, that's just kind of the default. I t- I'll take whoever comes out of the South. Um, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like their chance to really against anybody in the South. We'll I like the
3: Texans. Yeah, like I well, would yeah. play the worst team in the fucking league. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the easy choice there. I uh, mean, who's the
2: favorite? The favorites, you know. Uh, between the, the Colts, Titans I and guess? the Colts. I mean, cause... you know, the, between the Titans and the Colts. Um, and I, I, I'd take the Raiders over either of those teams.
3: Yeah, I mean, like the Colts, they'll be. I mean, the Raiders beat them. I mean, obviously, they have Matt Ryan now, so it's a little different. So I would say the Colts are probably the best team on paper in that division. Titans aren't far behind. Like, I don't think you know it would be like a blowout or anything like that. But those are definitely two teams that I think the Raiders could beat. I think you say that about a lot of matchups in the AFC because like the division is really strong, is much stronger than the AFC, But I think there are a good amount of teams that are like relatively like evenly matched if you just put them head up. So I think that would be part of what makes it so fun to watch the conference this year.
2: All right, our friend Joshua B. dropped dropped himself off. So uh, I think we can drop ourselves off as well. This was uh, this was fun. Another good live room. We always enjoy getting to chat with you guys. And uh, you know, hey, the the Raiders have uh, have at least answered probably the biggest offseason question we had is when what would they do with Derek Carr? When would they extend him? Would this be something they would let linger? Um, they they're not going to let it linger. Derek Carr is locked up. The trade conversations can can mostly disappear with the no trade clause and uh hey as as Carr said it, he did it just so Paul Gutierrez will stop trying to trade him, but um Derek had to get in had to get in a dig at somebody he uh, yeah he, paul he,
3: poor paul wasn't even Paul wasn't even there to defend himself, man it was those cheap yeah. shots. <laughs>
2: uh, all right guys, well we will be back uh, probably sometime around the draft, um, you know, two weeks away. Obviously, it's a, it's a weird draft for the Raiders where they they are hosting it in Las Vegas, but um they are not really participating for quite a while. There's not going to be any big first round pick to break down because as uh, as we've said, I think previously they don't really have the ammunition to uh, move up into that first round. So, um you know, we'll see what the, the Raiders are able to do. I mean, they're not going to be able to likely add a guy that you're going to get super excited about and and be able to pencil in as a, as a day one starter. But, you know, last year they obviously went out and drafted a guy that, uh, that they thought they were penciling in as their right tackle. And and we see how that worked out. So uh, as Raider fans have have eagerly pointed out, at least they don't have to, uh, at least they're not going to be disappointed when, uh, when the Raiders reach for somebody in the first round that they, uh, that they don't like. So um, you know, when when the first round, first two rounds go on, you sit back and you watch some Devontae Adams highlights and, uh, and enjoy the fact that he's a Raider now. So,
3: yeah, time for those uh, those mid round steals that they would might find another Hunter Rintro, the Max Crosby, something like that. You know, Nate they We got some excitement in those in those later rounds. You just might not know who they are when they're drafted.
2: All right, guys, we will talk to you all
1: again sometime soon. Welcome to the jungle, we got fun and games. We got everything you want, honey, we know the names. We are the people that can find whatever you may need. If you got the money, honey, we got your disease in the jungle. Welcome to the jungle.
8: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events?